This is the Hog Kong Football Welcome once again to the Hong Kong Football Podcast coming to you from Kowloon, Hong Kong in a week in which Eastern fans have their Guangzhou plans torn apart by police demands. RNF start merrily but nearly ruin it by conceding three in a bad-tempered game against HKFC and two Southern players score braces to leave egg on Glory Sky's faces as the team marches on into the top four places. We've got so much to talk about. We have extreme Eastern ticketing news in the Champions League. We have a big game in the relegation scrap to talk about. And we have a full look at that game for Eastern against Guangzhou Evergrande on Wednesday night. It's huge. Let's get right into it. My name, as always, is James Legg. I am joined, as always, by Tobias Zuse and Toby, I believe... You're quite angry. Meanwhile, I had a night of sleep, so I, I calmed down a little bit. But yeah, I think I'm both confused and quite upset. So for everyone who doesn't know yet, what happened over the weekend is that suddenly all the away fan tickets for Eastern fans who purchased them through the club for the first game in the Asian Champions League against Guangzhou Evergrande were cancelled um, or made invalid. So what happened is that on Sunday the club invited all the fans who purchase tickets to a so-called fan activity in a hotel. Around 40 people showed up and there they told them, oh, you know, there's a problem. We made some personal mistakes, probably administrative mistakes, and therefore all of you cannot go to Guangzhou. Uh, we pay you 3,000 Hong Kong dollars as a compensation. That is a lot of money. So these tickets cost more like... 170 Hong Kong dollars. 170, yeah. so that's a... Let's, let's just look at this for a moment because th- I think this is the important bit partly in terms of what we think has happened because so these people paid $170 Hong Kong dollars for their tickets and they've now been given 3000 Hong Kong dollars that's like more than 10 times that's like 15 times the amount they paid that is kind of inexplicable why would they do that? what they say why it is so high is because a lot of them a lot of the fans have already bought hotel tickets or transportation, which is not entirely true because a lot of the fans actually from Hong Kong, they bought the bus package that was offered by Eastern with a round trip bus, which, which cost another, what was it, um, 300 Hong Kong dollars. And, and if we can yeah. just, for anyone, international listeners who have maybe don't, you know, never visited Guangzhou or whatever, you could easily go overnight and spend a lot less than 3,000 Hong Kong dollars. You know, a hotel is like $250 for the night. A nice one near the stadium, which I stayed in once. And the train is $220, so that's 440 return. You could do the whole thing for less than 1,500. Maybe that's what Peter Lang doesn't know. <laughs> yeah, he is a more, he's quite a rich guy. He probably would have stayed in the much nicer hotel than I would. But anyway, anyway. Yeah, but as you said, it doesn't really make sense. Also, where the three thousand Hong Kong dollars should come from, because they have to now reimburse fans, which then adds up to half a million Hong Kong dollars, and that's not the money you would voluntarily give up for a mistake you have made. But that all said, so they offered 
the three thousand Hong Kong dollars and then told uh, the fans um, we booked a KTV room for you in Wan Chai where you can watch the game on TV and cheer. Now the reason why it was all confusing is because there was conflicting news coming from at the same time from Guangzhou where a lot of sources said, including, for example, reporters from Guangzhou TV, that the game was cancelled because of security issues. That there was an order from the police that away fans should be kept out. The interesting thing is that mainland sources still say this, but Eastern denies that this is the case. They deny it, but they also refuse to give any actual explanation. This is the issue here, is that they've basically just keep saying, oh, it was our mistake. <laughs> and there's no specific... Correct me if I'm wrong, they haven't given any word as to the nature of this mistake. You're absolutely right, and this is, I think, one point that makes it so unacceptable. Because there is no explanation, and it's just not transparent what's happening. For me personally, I think it would be a fairer situation still if you say, okay, authorities say a wave event shouldn't come. At least then it's clear what's the reason what's happening. Maybe to spin a little bit of conspiracy theories here, but what would have been the normal way for any kind of team in the ACL, if their away fans are banned, unilateral, just from one side, they would file a complaint against AFC because it will affect the team, it will affect the team's performance, and it is unfair. Because it is written into the AFC's rules, isn't it, that you have to give at least, I think, 5% of the stadium to away fans. That's written into the rules of the game. Yeah. And so they are breaking the rules by doing this. Yeah, but they don't because Unless you need a, a party that's complaining and in this case Eastern just says, oh, it was our mistake and no one did anything wrong. What makes it even worse is that now there are sources, again, only mainland Chinese sources that say the new owner of Eastern, which is Guangzhou Pei, the real estate developer, they might now send staff to cheer for Eastern. So it all doesn't really add up and I think that Eastern owes everyone, including the entire Hong Kong football community an explanation of why they would do that and what was this mysterious mistake that they claim it was. Yeah, because I'm trying to be balanced here. I'm trying to be calm about the whole thing. And, you know, we don't, we could find out in a few days or in a few weeks that, yeah, it was just some kind of bizarre error at Easton's end. But at the moment, given the evidence we have, given that the mainland sources, mainland new, you know, news reports, this isn't just people saying stuff, this is news reports saying that it was the police who said, we don't like this security situation. And then Easton's complete lack of evidence for their claim, or it's not even a claim yet, it's just some vague prevarication. It's hard not to be alarmed by what's going on. This is the kind of thing that we did not expect to happen in Hong Kong in 2017. This is the kind of thing that people kind of said would happen in like 30 years time, not now. The idea that Hong Kongers can't go and watch their team in Guangzhou, in what, in what they are repeatedly told is their country. They're constantly told like, China is your country. You're, you know, you're just another city in China. Come and watch, you know, come and find out, you know, oh, you, the only reason that you don't, like China is because you don't really know about it. Come and find out about it. Here's a home return permit. And then it's, oh no, you can't come because you like football. And this is, you know, off the back of the Shenzhen game in 2015. This was when Hong Kong played away at China. And lots of, lots of fans were held at the border and were treated really badly and are now don't want to go back to China. 
and it just for me you know as a foreigner as someone who kind of watches both sides and just kind of thinks it's a little bit of a shame the way everyone seems so angry at each other stuff like this which just seems so needless really does not help the situation i agree and between the two of us you know that i'm probably much more china friendly yeah <laughs> and i've lived in beijing for a while and i'm following the csl closely i often go to guangzhou these things are just so unnecessary because what happened actually is and i think it is fair to say that these 188 fans that would have traveled from hong kong to to Guangzhou. 188, what a tiny number of people. It's, first it's tiny and they wouldn't have done anything. They wouldn't have done anything controversial there. When, you, when you've when lived in China and I've talked to, to a lot of insiders about Chinese people as well about this, what usually is laid out is that when Chinese authorities see a very, very tiny risk of anything happening, then they might just say, okay, let, let's shut the whole thing down. Again, I, I think that if this would have been the transparent explanation, I would have even rather accepted this and then see Eastern contesting this and it would have been a perfectly normal situation regulated within the AFC domain. But now it was completely politicized and my whole anger is more directed towards the Eastern management. I also want to emphasize this. I still support 100% the team. Uh, there were some of my favorite players of, of Hong Kong in there. But my anger is really towards the Eastern management. Rather, because they, they're just not capable of giving any explanation. Yeah, and it's not what you want to see as, you know, this this is a fan podcast and to see the attitude of, oh, you can't go and watch your team, but here's some money is also a little bit crap. And it kind of speaks to a way that perhaps not just Eastern, you know, all football clubs are increasingly seeing their fans like, oh, you know, this is the biggest game that Eastern's ever had. Maybe since a la ball please for them and to say you can't go to this but here's some money and please be quiet about well the suggestion and please don't kick up a fuss is dispiriting but we're going to talk about a little bit more with Chris who we're going to have on the line later to talk about the actual game because there is actual football to talk about lest we forget so let's move on and talk about the big relegation scrap between HKFC and RNF on Friday night. What a game. What a game. You were there. No, <laughs> I wasn't there, but I watched it on TV live. Ah, you watched it. Sorry, yeah. yeah. Uh, this was one of the three games this weekend that was streamed live online. And we always, if you can't go to the game, I highly recommend these streams. I think they're really good. Uh, these are totally legit, legal, Premier League approved streams. Um, I don't know if there are any illegal streams for the HK Premier League. Crazy game. So to sum up, RNF, by the 70th minute were 4-0 up which for most teams means that the game is over but RNF decided to take their feet right off the gas and the game ended 4-3 with I think it was the last kick of the game wasn't it the, um, the, the third so it was probably an actual comeback was never on the cards but big win for RNF nonetheless because uh, these are the two of the bottom three and whoever wins these games between that bottom three is less likely to go down. Now, Chucky Kwok again, finds himself on the score sheet with two goals. That's seven in the league for him this season, making him one of the, I think he's joint fourth top scorer in the league. And tell me about the game. Was a good game. The, the first half started with RNF being dominant side, of course. He scored three goals. And uh, actually, just to, to mention this, um, it could have turned out a little bit different because 
there was almost an own goal within the first 10 minutes from our death, which was even part of the video highlights. And usually the video highlights don't include anything else than goals. But in this case, one of the R&F defenders wanted to pass the ball back to the goalkeeper. It just, it, it missed the goal maybe like five centimeters. It was extremely close. And the goalkeeper was seemingly angry about the whole affair. But then R&F were quite dynamic. And the, the first goal was coming out of a very, very nice combination. That was scored by Yang Ting. And the second goal was Chuck with a header. Yeah, from a very nice uh, free kick, I thought, by uh, Liang Zicheng. Really, really nice. It, it was in a deep position. It's one of those free kicks where you're kind of facing the goal, so it's tough to get any kind of whip on it and make it a dangerous ball. He puts it right in the danger area. And Chucky Okwaku, as I say, is their top scorer for the season. Just had to nod it home. Really nice goal. And then the third one from Chan Lap Ming coming out of a bit of a collective defensive collapse from HKFC, which is a shame. But yeah, that meant it was 3-0 at half-time. They made it 4-0 again through Chuck. But then, yeah, in, from the 70th minute, two goals from the centre-back for HKFC, whose name I definitely can't pronounce, Zoltan Gechi, a total guess, and Daniel Mann made it tense in the second half, but could not quite make it. Big win for RNF, and let's talk a little bit about Chucky O'Quok, or Tommy Chuck, as he's also known. He's really doing very well in a team that is not doing very well. Is he going to get himself a move to maybe a bigger Hong Kong club? I would hope so, but again, it's not easy in Hong Kong. For example, if you look at the big three in Hong Kong, the supposed big three, the supposed big three, they mainly count on foreign strikers, and it's it's a very similar dilemma to what happens in in China in the Chinese Super League because you have forward talent like Chuck Kwok, but they are just not given the chance to prove themselves really on the pitch on a regular basis. So maybe they have a few games, then they score goals, but still, nonetheless, they are not given this consistency. It's a bit of a structural problem, and I guess that people like Tommy Chuck prove that some teams should count more regularly on locals and give them a chance to play. And he would be a good signing for anyone, I think. Well, this is the, the point I'm sort of making is that that makes him a bonus. And maybe I'm not coming at this as a totally different way, but of course you're right that the top strikers in the league are the likes of Manuel Blader, Komazec. And the point I'm making though, isn't that a bonus? If you can get a striker who you can rely upon to score more than one every other game, or one every other game, which is about where Tommy Chuck is at the moment, why not? And then, you know, you've got a whole other foreign place that you can have maybe in your centre-backs or, you know, in, in your attacking midfield. But yeah, we'll, we'll see. So yeah, but maybe to just to return a little bit back to the game, because what, what happened and what was so interesting is that starting after the fourth goal, R&F just completely changed to a destructive, I wouldn't even say strategy, it was just like a destructive play. They didn't do anything anymore for the game and kept delaying. Generally, the game at that point turned quite tense, a bit dirty. Yeah, there were a couple of things. Uh, Steve McGagan the HKFC player yeah. lost it a little bit and probably could have been sent off for a shove on an RNF player towards the end of the game. I saw HKFC's number seven kind of weirdly grab 
an RNF player by the leg as he tried to tackle him. It all got a little unedifying. Yeah, from, I, from, I would say from both sides. Oh, like, see, RNF, yeah. That, RNF pulled off like a lot of strange things. Like one thing that happened was a substitution in the 97th minute, and the player that was walking off was kneeling down while walking to open up his shoelaces when he was still on the pitch. No, that's just a joke, isn't it? And it's just for me, it doesn't make sense. You know, RNF already have such a negative standing in the league, and. In the first half, they just convinced everyone with scoring four goals, playing nicely, and people were thinking, okay, you know, look, these guys can play football, they score nice goals. And then in the second half, they just took the complete opposite. And it was just not even necessary. You don't play like this when you are 4-0 up. It doesn't help anyone, and especially it doesn't help the sponsor. I mean, R&F shouldn't even be not interested in playing like this. Yeah, because this is a team that has a good team in the CSL, a kind of mid-table team. And yeah, it's not going to help if, if everyone hates them in Hong Kong. But I guess everyone already hates them. Maybe they're going for like this kind of Millwall approach of... Sorry, that reference might go over your head. But no one likes us and we don't care. And this kind of punk ethos of just um, pissing everyone off. But I, I, I'm not defending it, I'm just... Yeah, maybe that's the way they go, but it, it will be weird. <laughs> we yeah. embrace this image in Hong Kong, but... And it's tedious as well, you know... It, it's, you know, you've paid $80 to go and sit there on a Friday night and you and you think, oh, well, at least I get to watch some football and then one of the teams just decides that they're not going to play football. But yeah, and, and fair play to each KFC. Lots, lots of teams would have caved after, you know, going into the 60th minute. 4-0, they were 4-0 down by that point. And you know, to really keep going for it, absolutely well done to them. Bodes well, you know, they've still got a game against BC Glory Sky to come. So before the end of the season a team who they've already beaten once this year yeah it's good for them score three goals probably could have done better with a few of the goals they conceded so that's something to work on but definitely that's what makes this game interesting I think is that it wasn't it was by no means a walkover for RNF the weekend's other night game 8pm on Sunday at the Chunquano Stadium was between South China and Pegasus now the most interesting thing about this game which Pegasus won 2 0, we'll go into that in a minute, was the fact that Chan Suki played. Now, as we said last week, Chan Suki, who recently moved from South China to Pegasus, was, as part of that deal, not supposed to play for Pegasus against South China. That was an agreement which I did not like. I think it sounds like a terrible agreement, which is probably illegal. And it seems as though Pegasus and Chan Suki just ignored it. Um, now, after the game, South China has complained about this. I think already during the game, they yeah. sent Facebook messages. We reminded Pegasus to keep the promise. But it's just stupid. You can't just you can't just have a, a promise, a little gentleman's agreement about this stuff. For a bunch of reasons. One, you should never ask that. You should never ask for a player not to play. And you've sold him. He's not your prop, you know, property. He's not your employee anymore. Just clear off. Anyway, so that appears to be what Pegasus... They, maybe they agreed with me. Maybe Pegasus listened to last week's podcast, thought, James is right, this is stupid, and they thought, they play him. South China not happy. It probably won't come to anything, will it? There's no... As far as we know, there's no legal standing for any kind of complaint. Am I right? Yeah, that's right. And the HKB usually doesn't recognise these kind of agreements. And even Pegasus said he never signed this. <laughs> okay, so Pegasus won the game with... Goals from the usual front two of Major and Leung Kha Hang. Goals in the 50th minute. Of course, Major isn't playing up front anymore. He's playing in centre-back. But 
in the 50th minute, Zhao Emir, probably Pegasus' player of the season so far, whipped in a lovely corner, which South China just refused to defend. Cheng Chi Young knocked it down, and Travis Major needed two attempts to put it in the net, but he looked very happy when he did, and so did Chan Su Ki, actually celebrating quite joyously. And then Leung Kar Hang, with a very nice goal on the turn into the roof of the net. But South China didn't put up much of a fight, did they? No, they didn't. It was really surprising. They fielded the first time the new Japanese signing, Yusuke Kato. Mm -hmm. And he didn't really convince up front. Also, after the game, I believe Dejan Antonich was very disappointed again with the team's performance. The South China coach. Yeah, they, they get into serious troubles if they don't find back to their previous form. I think one of the weaknesses at the moment is also really the defense that doesn't really live up to the standard what you were used to. Chen Wai Ho is not part anymore of the starting 11. Probably he is out of form and had a lot of injuries. Andrew Russell left. And Boya Malasic has shaved his hair off, so that's his powers gone. <laughs> probably. <laughs> yes, yeah, South China really don't look anymore that they first play any part in the title race and now they even have to worry about if they still make it into the season playoff. Yeah, they're down to fifth now. Southern have usurped their place in fourth and Yunlong as well doing very well. Yeah, it's not looking great at the moment. When was the last time Nikola Komazic scored? It's been I think four four league games now since he last scored, which is considering his record was almost one in one. Up until then, it's quite a dip. Yeah, Perovic totally destroyed his run. <laughs> yeah, Marco Perovic, Marco Perovic came in, <laughs> stole his thunder, and then and now he's you know he's not scoring well, only in two games, but they're both gonna have to get back on it quite soon. Otherwise, it could be a bad situation for South China, who can't really finish fifth. That's not really acceptable for South China. At the start of the season, I don't think we ever had them pegged as possible title challenges, but they are supposed to be the third best team and and it would be a big deal if they were to finish fifth especially it's funny isn't it because remember when they lost 4-2 to Rangers uh, a few months ago about quarter of the way into the season and that was the last game for Ricardo Rambo and that game was memorable because they kind of just looked defeated and they kind of gave up have they reached that point already with Antonich or do you think this is just a dip I think it is very similar to the South China Rangers game what I could imagine is that something seems to be going on within within the squad. You had a lot of players leaving. Not not let's not forget about Ryan Griffiths, who seemed to have not been happy anymore there, and made an impressive signing to Western Sydney Wanderers in the uh, A League in Australia. Right. Then Chen Suki refused to play for a couple of weeks already because he really wanted to move away. He was like a hero for South China. Mm -hmm. So maybe something is going on behind the curtain that like players just feel unhappy and that is reflected now on the pitch. Yeah, it's interesting those players you mentioned, if you look at people who are no longer in the starting eleven who were at the start of this season, you've got Chan Suki, Chan Wai Ho and Andy Russell, all of whom local guys, Hong Kong internationals, all three of them, and dependable players. And maybe the loss of that kind of it's not quite a spine, but those kind of foundational players might be having an effect. I don't know. And maybe next week they'll come back and they'll win 5-0 and we'll all be talking about how uh, I think it's likely because you play R&F, right? Yeah, and only 
643 people made the trip to Chung Kwano to watch this. Not great between two of Hong Kong's bigger teams, but it is Chung Kwano and a Saturday night, a Sunday night. So I guess it's to be expected. Lots of people watched it online, no? Exactly. How many? How many did you count? I when I last looked, it was more than five thousand. That's impressive, isn't it? It's a lot of people. If only they'd all turned up, they wouldn't have fit in the stadium if they all gone. So good for them. And I, I know I go on about it, but I really am happy this season with the amount of games that are being streamed. And well done to the people who do this because I, there can't be that much financial <laughs> gain in it. So good for them. Another game on Saturday afternoon was the big. Hong Kong football podcast derby (laughs) with Kichi, I'm glad to say, triumphing over Toby's favourite team, Taipo. Kichi started without Kim Bong Jin, who we believe is still injured from the game in South Korea against Osan Hyundai, and winning 1-0, despite the lack of Kim. And chances. (laughs) And chances. (laughs) Yeah, Kichi were a little flat, I thought. They weren't all that impressive, but they were solid. What did you think of Taipo? To be honest, uh, I was still quite proud of Taipo. I think they, they played well. They had a match plan. Lucas da Silva was, again, a, a very impressive centre-forward. He received most of the balls in the midfield and then tried to either um, get them onto the wings or get a foul somewhere. And I think... Generally, Taipo, they tried hard, but it was just not enough, especially in front of goal, to really score that night. I think there are two main reasons for the Kichi win. One is what really needs to be respected and pointed out is the Kichi defense, which is just so strong this season. They mm. conceded, what, in like four goals in yeah, total? Yeah, it's ridiculous. That's just, it's so low. And you can you can tell, I mean, the, the defense is so solid. How I would back this up is the set pieces. Taipo had, I think, eight corners, a couple of free kicks. And these are usually the situations when Lucas Silva scores in other games. There was no chance. Like, all the all the set pieces were basically cleared from Kichi defense. So that was very strong. The other reason why I believe Kichi won is because of Fernando. Um, he really made a difference on the day. He also assisted the goal. But it was quite funny, right? Because he got through on the left, entered the box, and then attempted the shot. Well, it's just a yeah. whipped cross shot, isn't it? It was then still it. touched by Sandro, was it? Yeah, Sandro definitely touched it. And then both players went off into different directions to celebrate. Yeah, and different parties <laughs> kind of went off to different <laughs> wings. You know, so the, the team kind of split. And some went to Fernando, some went to Sandro to kind of celebrate. Yeah. But then at the end, they, they both went and kind of greeted each other. So I don't think... I was amused. I wondered if there was some kind of popularity contest going on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think so. I uh, but I, I think it was just, I think it was just how it happened. And I think from a distance, it probably looked like Fernando had scored. If if you were a centre back, for example, and he did very well. And you're right, he did have a very good game. Those two guys, Brazilian born, and also I thought the two stars for Taipo were the Brazilian born Itaparica and Lucas da Silva, who you've already mentioned. And both teams lining up with back threes. Kichi replaced the missing Kim Bong Jin with Tonkin Man, who's kind of forced his way back into contention with solid performances in the AFC Champions League qualifiers. Good to see here. You know, he's a player who you only ever really see in Asian competition. You don't see him in the league. So good for him. And I thought he was pretty solid. So my takeaway from this game is what's so nice to see is that a district team that is now sixth in the league 
can basically face Kitschi on eye level at the moment. So they had a lot of passing, I think even more passing than Kitschi going on. They had a little bit more procession. And if they would have been lucky that day, they could have easily get a draw again like they did against Eastern. So I really didn't see that this couldn't happen that day. So respect to Taipo, but also the quality of the league at the moment. You have Salvan that can beat Kitschi, you have Taipo, Yulong. Yulong. So it's, I think, uh, like six, seven teams are quite competitive at the moment, and that's maybe more than there was in the past. I totally agree. That's a really interesting point. The whole thing's been a bit skewed. The arrival of these three new teams at the, at the bottom, BC Grow, Sky, HKFC, and RNF, and they've created this kind of basement, which is is very obviously on a different level to the other teams above them, starting from ranges up, upwards. And ranges, I think, are kind of... Uh, I don't know if they... Maybe they might belong in that... towards the bottom at the moment. However... I totally agree from there onwards. Anyone can beat anyone. You know, even Pegasus beat South China at the weekend. South China, who supposedly belong in the elite. And and yeah, these. the really interesting thing is the district teams, Yunlong, Taipo, and Southern, who are A, some of the best teams to watch in the Premier League, and B, genuinely getting really good results, especially at the moment, Southern. And let's talk about them. Their game, they won 6-0 against BC Glory Sky. That's their second 6-0 win in a row. They're on one hell of a run. I, I you know, I think I've talked about it, but I need to keep people updated on just how good this run is. They've Of their last seven games in the league, they've won six and drawn one. In their first six games of this season, they got five points, conceding nine goals. In the seven games after that, they've got 19 points, conceding two. And they haven't conceded in something like six games. It's just a great run I don't know what what's changed if any Southern fans who watch them regularly and want to let me know what's going on please get in touch it's podcast.offside.hk because I don't know what's made this difference it's so it's just such a big change in their fortunes now BC Glory Sky's goalie kind of messed up for the first I've been trying to find out about this guy all I know is that his name is Schlia Kotin and he used to play in the Polish top division. He played for Corona Kielce, but that's the extent of my knowledge about him. He's relatively new to BC Glory Sky. They've had a lot of goalies this season, a bit of a revolving door. Now for the first goal, he kind of flew out to try and make a, a clearance and missed it, and it ends up in goal. But then Southern really turned on the style, I think, after that. Marco De La Spada, the former Kitschi striker, who scored his fourth goal in two league games. But what a free kick. Did you see the free kick from Michael Luck, the Southern captain, who, to set up this goal for Marco Della Spada, it was a wonderful ball whipped in. Della Spada just had to nod it home. It was so much pace, so much whip, so much precision. It was beautiful, really, really great. So somewhat Hollywood from... It was, it was Hollywood. It's, <laughs> always, it's always good to watch him. And, and I, bet, yeah, I bet he's at home watching that on YouTube repeatedly. Just he's made a gif of himself and he set it as his phone background and that's it's that goal and it was just a beautiful ball and well done to him for that. You know, he's he's a good player. Another great goal to watch was James Ha. It was the fourth goal for Southern and it was his second of the day. It was funny, the ball just kind of falls to him on the corner of the box and he just stands there and he's looking to the right back, kind of like, come on, overlap, overlap. And no one comes to support him, so he just thinks, Oh, forget it, I'll I'll have a shot. And he smashes it across the goal. 
So that put them 4-0 up. It ended 6-0. Um, also, while we're talking about the revolving door of BC Grey Sky goalies, that guy, Shlia Kotin, he was actually substituted at halftime and Hong Konger Chung King Wa came on and he didn't look any better. So I don't really know who's going to start in goal for them next. But it's also a, a strange message to send, no? To Yeah, it's not great. I, I see that the reason behind it, maybe that they brought in another foreigner. They made a typo move. Yeah, that's what it is. You're right. They brought on Lee Gilhoon, who, from his name, I'm going to guess is South Korean, fought Lao Chi Kok and therefore had to remove their goalie. But, there, like you say, that's normally Taipo's move. It's a stupid move. You shouldn't <laughs> do it. If you found yourself in a position where you have to do it, then you haven't managed the team properly in the long term. Just move. wait for next season when Kichi gets a foreign goalie. <laughs> <laughs> now, moving on, because we're running out of time. Yunlong beat Rangers 2-0. The only thing I really have to say about this is that the second goal appears to have been credited to Stefan Pereira. It definitely should not be, and it is obviously an own goal by the Rangers player, Taylong Hin. I agree. I, I, I'm, a, I'm absolutely flabbergasted. that He puts in a cross, which isn't on target, and Taylong Hin puts it into his own goal. So uh, a bit disappointed that it's been given to Pereira, especially because that's what makes Tommy Chuck joint fourth top scorer rather than just fourth top scorer. Do we have anything else to say about this game? It's not very surprising. Yun Long basically doing what they always do, which is to beat people below them in the league. This season carries on. Really good for them to get back on track after losing to Easton. And yeah, it just kind of carries on. I think so. Yeah. There's not much to add. Yeah, let's, 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 let's roll on. Now, the biggest talking point of this week is, without any question, the AFC Champions League game. The first game of the tournament for Hong Kong champions Easton, who will play... China champions Guangzhou Evergrande it is a local derby in some regards Guangzhou Evergrande are I guess our local CSL team apart from maybe Guangzhou RNF and it's just absolutely huge we're going to talk about it after this the Hong Kong football podcast is out every Wednesday you can get it from iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, or wherever else you get your podcasts. Okay, so to talk about this massive game between Guangzhou Evergrande and Eastern, we are joined on the line by Chris Atkins. He's a football agent based in China and a longtime China football writer. Hello, Chris. Hello. Nice to, nice to meet you guys. Yeah, thanks very much for joining us. Um, I believe you're back in the UK. How's the weather back in the UK? Uh, predictably cold, but uh, other than that, fine. Good to hear. Uh, so, Eastern are playing Guangzhou very soon. Now, this the first thing that comes to mind for me is the fact that last year it was a bit of an embarrassment for Evergrande because they went out of this tournament, the AFC Champions League, in the group stages. And it's a tournament that they're no strangers to winning. Does, do you think we're going to see... They're going to have to take up their level of seriousness and their performance this year. Yeah, I think the, the tournament is obviously incredibly important for them. They, they win the Chinese Super League as, a, as an expectation more than as an ambition. So uh, the ACL kind of in recent years has defined whether the season is seen as a success or not for the club. And as you said, last year was the first time 
since they first qualified that they they've been out at the group stage uh, it was pretty disastrous and uh, Luis Felipe Scolari is obviously very lucky to still have his job it would have been Marcelo Lippi and it not been for the situation with the national team but uh, I think some of that can be put down to their participation in the Club World Cup they didn't really have much of an off-season last year and this year they've they've had a full uh, full schedule of uh, pre-season so I would think they're they're going to be ready to to make another shot at the title this season so speaking of last year were there any situations in which they because obviously in hong kong we are hoping for an upset what would be a colossal upset even a draw would be kind of a massive turnover for the books for eastern were there any of those situations last year that we can kind of pin our hopes on yeah so last year um the biggest disappointment was obviously losing away in sydney and i think that that really set up the the rest of the the campaign for disappointment. They they started off drawing at home to to Pohang. I mean, no disgrace. Pohang are a, a decent side, and early season you, you're sometimes slow off the mark. I guess that that also would give Eastern uh, some hope. But then then they travelled down to Australia and lost lost against Sydney, and that was the uh, the moment I think it hit home that that the campaign wasn't going to be uh, all according to plan. And uh, from then on, they were very much fighting to to get back into the ascendancy in the group, and it never never came off. So I think Eastern's biggest hope is obviously the fact that they're playing in the first game of the of the tournament. It would be better if that first game was in Hong Kong. But if uh, if Evergrande aren't quite up to full speed, there might be a, an opportunity there, especially as uh, Eastern are currently in season. Yeah, that's an interesting one, isn't it? This, this is the first competitive game of Guangzhou Evergrande's season. Has that, do you think that's something that could have an effect, that could lower the quality of their performance? Yeah, it's obviously going to be very difficult for them to be at 100% because whatever friendlies you play, and they have played a number both in Europe and also recently against Korean teams, Whatever games you play that aren't competitive, they're never going to prepare you quite for the intensity of uh, of a uh, competitive fixture. So there's there's going to be some opportunity there for Eastern, but Evergrande have, have obviously done as much as they can to ensure they're going to be prepared. Like I said, they've they've had a full preseason this year. They've played a number of friendly fixtures. Everyone's uh, pretty much been available. So. Uh, I don't think they can blame their preparation, but there there will be a certain amount of sluggishness, I imagine. Have there been many changes over over the off season in terms of personnel? This year, no. Uh, Evergrande have been very quiet. Uh, the one noticeable change in terms of foreign players is they've uh, brought in one Korean from Jongbuk Hyundai Motors. Um, we haven't yet seen Kim Hyung Il yet, so I, I don't. Uh, have too much to comment about. I'm not a regular watcher of the K League, but uh, he's an experienced centre back, 32 years old, and he's just covering the first six months of the season. So, uh, no Kim Yong Guan, uh, which will affect them somewhat. Uh, in terms of Chinese players, nothing for the the first team, but they've they've brought in uh, Jiang Chunling is a a reserve left back. He he's coming from Guizhou, but I, I would be surprised if he starts this week. So, who are the guys to be looking out for in terms of a threat from Guangzhou? Or are there many of them? Yeah, I think uh, you guys know as well as as I do, uh, Evergrande have 
threats throughout the team. Uh, obviously, you you start with the foreign players, Alan on the uh, the left wing, Gulat up front, uh, Gaulin, uh, who will complete the attacking trio. Uh, you also have in midfield Paulinho and Juan Bowen are both uh, regular goal scorers, uh, and then. I mean, at the back, you you have people like Jan Limpong, uh, Zhang Zhe in defensive midfield who who also chip in with goals. So there's there's plenty to uh, to be worried about from Easton's point of view. That's um, not so great to hear. <laughs> Toby wants to cut in. Speaking of Zhang Zhe, um, it's quite interesting because he also had this fight with Yapung Fai during the World Cup qualifiers. In the national team, he was a little bit on and off. How important is he still for Guangzhou Evergrande as the captain? Yeah, he's he's still uh, very very important for the team. He rarely misses a game. Um, his non-selection with the national team was more due to coaches beginning to look ahead and then realizing that actually oh, he's still a very important player to to China because there's no player in the Chinese league or no Chinese player in the in the league who has the same reading of the game as Zhang He. He's a very astute uh, reader of the game. He puts himself in the right positions to cover his centre-backs. And, of course, he, he's also a very good distributor of the ball. So for Evergrande, everything pretty much goes through him, through from the defence out to Jung, and then he he distributes the ball. So he his protection for the defence will allow Paulinho and, and Juan Boan to, to push forward. So... In terms of how Scolari is going to set up, assuming they're, they're going to play the system that everyone expects them to, Jung's role is going to, going to be crucial. I, I, I guess Easton are going to largely play on the counter-attack, but he, he will still offer that, that protection that the, the defence will be needing as the full-backs look to push on as well. So about this ticketing situation, uh, you've heard about it, we've just been talking about it on the show. What what's your take here? Like, what do you think? I mean, it seems murky to me. What do you reckon? Yeah, I mean, this is obviously going to be the the big talking point of the game now. Whether whether Eastern managed to pull off a shock or not, I think what's gone on with this ticketing arrangement is far has far further implications than than football. To be honest, uh, it's it's, uh, it's very much a political issue. Um, I think yeah, the fact that. Eastern have not only refunded but also compensated the the supporters makes makes you question quite where that money's coming from. Um, I mean, if it is legitimately a security issue, there would obviously be no need to be quite so generous. So uh, it makes you question the motives behind that money and. I don't think it's too difficult, and I'm sure you guys in your discussions have brought up possible reasons why why this is uh, happening. So, I mean, that that's my biggest uh, concern in all of this. If if there was genuinely a, a security issue that have been flagged up, I don't see the need to go to quite that extent to uh, compensate supporters. Mm. And, and have you ever heard of anything like this before involving away fans in in China? No, no, not at all. I mean, uh, as I understand, there, there's been instances in the past of, of Japanese fans uh, not being allowed in, uh, not being allowed at away section. But generally, no, the uh, Japanese clubs visit fine, and uh, you guys are fully aware of the the tension between China and Japan at times. Um, but other than that, I, I can't think of uh, 
any even similar instance. I mean, as you guys know, we we had the, the national team game in Shenzhen not that long back. I know it was a very uh, hand-picked away support, but they were there was still a away support of of sorts. So I don't really understand what uh, the difference between having an away section for that and an away section for for Eastern is. But we'll see. Maybe those same hand-picked uh, fans will be in the away section come uh, come game time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So basically, we we would like to round up um, by asking you about what would be your call for the game. Um. Honestly, <laughs> yeah. I, I would think I would think Evergrande are going to be uh, looking to win quite comfortably, and if they don't, there's going to be serious questions in the the Chinese media. So. I would expect them to be eyeing three or four goals from this one. Uh, certainly, if they they have a one or two nil win, they'll be uh, they'll be coming in for some criticism. So, I'll go I'll go with uh, with three nil. I find it hard to argue. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately. Okay. Cool. Well, Chris, thank you very much for your time. Thanks for joining us on the Hong Kong Football Podcast. Uh, Although I think your prediction will probably end up being correct, I hope it's incorrect. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we'll speak to you soon. Um, see you when you're back this side of the world. Take care. Thank you very much, and uh, speak to you soon, guys. Yeah, so always good to hear from Chris. Interesting to hear what he had to say on all of that. Now, let's talk a little bit about Eastern specifically, because we've heard all about Guangzhou and how good they are and how terrifying it's going to be for Eastern. I hope none of the players listen to this before the match. How do we think Eastern are going to line up? Yeah, that's the big question of the day, I believe. I would have thought initially that they would stick with what worked for them in the league. That would have been a 4-2-3-1 with two sixes, two defensive midfielders, Bajo and Diego Alley, then using Roberto Afonso and Josh Mitchell as centre-backs, as full-backs, probably Wong Tzu on the left and Tsang Kam on the right. And up front you have Manuel Blader, and on the right um, probably James McKee, on the left Li Hong Lim, and then in the midfield Chu Ying Chu or Su Shui. But what recent news suggested is that Chen Yuting might work on a very defensive option with three centre backs and three defensive midfielders. We haven't really seen Eastern playing this before. And it, it could be an interesting move. Um, what, what do you think about this? Like, Do you think that that's the right way to go? Yes, I definitely think it is. I, I think we're in an interesting position, aren't we? Because Eastern, and it's the same with Kichi when you watch them in the Champions League, is that we're used to them being so dominant in the league that you know, their game plan is always to attack. And to with, with Kichi, it's to leave three at the back. With Eastern, it's similarly attacking, although the, the formation's different. And whether you like it or not, they have to completely change that in the Champions League and in Asian competition. Yeah, and, and, and what they then have to do is use formations that you've never seen before because they've never needed them before. I think it, it would make a lot more sense, yeah, to have a back three with wing backs. Is that what we're talking about? I think so. And I, I looked a little bit on the option of what it would be, and I, I really like the starting eleven to be honest. So if they would really go with five at the back, Basically, the centre backs most likely would be Roberto Font to Josh Mitchell and probably Tsang Chi Hao uh, Ng Wai Tiu as, as a third one. And on the left, you could basically have Lee Hong Lim as a left fullback, what he does sometimes in the national team. Mm -hmm. 
And on the right, you could still round Sang Kam To. I like Lee Hong Lim as a, as a fullback, to be you honest. You just like Lee Hong Lim. I like Lee Hong Lim, but I, I particularly like him as a, as, a, as a left fullback. I think that that's an interesting option. And then three in the midfield, that would probably be Bai Ho, Diego Eli, and Leung Chun Pong. And then two up front, uh, Manuel Bleda. And I think that Chen Yun Ting will maybe stick with James McKee just to export a little bit his speed and then maybe get a foul up front and hope for a set piece. Well, that was exactly his job, wasn't it, against China for Hong Kong? Absolutely. And, I and think he did it very well. So if I think that would be a good decision. And the interesting thing is recently I've seen an article with James McKee talking about the upcoming game. And he very much uses the China-Hong Kong game as the reference about how they're going to play. So I think that's a good approach. And we will hope for an upset although it, it is unlikely to be honest so what kind of a chance do they because i'm thinking about this i'm thinking about this a lot right of course there's a massive gulf in the quality of the players if in both teams and in the leagues in which they both play but if you look at the times that we've thought this before we are kind of often surprised by what hong kong football can do as James McKee has said, as you've just said, and as I think, the China games are a massive reference. It'd be great if Eastern still had Kulama, who did so well against against China in that kind of a game. But it is going to be like that, in which you know Hong Kong got two nil-nils against China. But even look at Kichi going away to Ulsan Hyundai. We thought, nah, no chance. You know, experts were saying, no chance. And it's going to be a comfortable win for Ulsan. And... Kichi got it all the way to penalties. Now, obviously, this game can't go to penalties. If it ends a draw, it ends a draw, and that would be one hell of a result for Eastern in what is probably the toughest game of their entire group stage. And I just don't see why not. That, that's all I'm saying. I'm not giving any kind of reasoned argument as to, like, oh, I actually think that, you know, Josh Mitchell has got the beating of Ricardo Goulart. That's not what I'm saying. Well, he could. I'm we just are. saying we're constantly... Surprised by this, and maybe we underestimate Hong Kong teams occasionally. Um, actually, we heard from friend of the podcast, Josh Mitchell, centre back for Eastern, said he's getting excited, and well, he didn't say he was confident, but he said hopefully we could perform well, and so he sounded happy. He's played at this level before. He played it for Liaoning against Guangzhou a few years ago. Now I just don't see why not. That that is my argument, and I'm willing to accept that it's not really much of an argument. <laughs> But I just don't see why not. Oh, I agree. And I think really that the China-Hong Kong games give this reference, also give, give you know, this hope for the team that you, know, you can make it. If, if you have a good day, you can, you can hold them to a draw. Why not? We did it twice in the World Cup qualifiers. Kichi performing well in Korea. They did it over 120 minutes. So why we, we cannot do it over 90 minutes? So yeah, I think that these games... Uh, important boost also for the confidence. Now, let's move on. That game is Wednesday night, 8 p.m. kickoff in Guangzhou. It's on Fox Sports 1, I believe. So you can watch it on that. The Hong Kong Football Podcast recommends you watch it in Cafe Fontaine, Modi Square, Jim Sa Choi, which is probably the only place that you can turn up and ask for that kind of game on the screen. Now, there's still a lot to talk about for next week's Hong Kong Premier League action. So let's stop all of this Asian football nonsense. Go local again after this.
quick break. Okay, so massive game of the weekend, in my opinion, comes on Sunday, the last game of the weekend at the Yulong Stadium where Yulong will play Southern. It's the Battle of the Buses, KMB against Kun Chung, but more importantly, it's the Battle of Third versus Fourth in the Hong Kong Premier League. This one will be live on all of the usual channels, on.cc. Hong Kong Premier League YouTube channel and it's massive both teams having really good seasons but Southern are the form team of the two as we've discussed this could be a really interesting game because if Southern win this game they will actually third with a game in hand on Yulong that's quite a strong position to be in and Yulong will not want to allow that to happen especially at home where they have great support what's gonna happen it's hard to say. Of course, the, the recent track record will speak for Southern. Still, it will be interesting because both sides somehow benefit a lot from the coaches, I think. Chan Chutat and Ricky Cheng. Ricky Cheng now managed to think Southern for the last two or three seasons, since 2015. Yeah, so this, this is his second, second, right? This is his second season. And already last season, they were really good. Mm -hmm. And they actually had, didn't have too many changes to the squad. So we were surprised why they started so weak this season. But now they could back on track again I think we're gonna see goals they are these two teams are the third and fourth highest scorers in the league they score way more than Kichi way more than South China only Eastern have scored more 31 and 32 for Yunlong and Southern respectively but Yunlong do have the much leakier defense 16 conceded for the season to Southern's 11 I think we're definitely gonna see goals I think it could be a good day for people like Stefan Pereira, Alexander Randelovic. Interesting thing is Marco de Raspada, because he scored four in his last two games, but they were both in 6 0 routes of poor teams. And he hasn't yet, to my knowledge, scored outside of that context. So, could this, this would be a great time for him as the starting striker for Sudden to score an important goal in a game against a league rival? But he's not done that. He's only scored in these games, you know, he didn't score for Kichi, he's not scored for Southern outside of this kind of context that I've described. It would be a good day for him to finally score an important goal. But let's call it, because we don't have anything to say, do we? I call it 2-2, two -two, a draw. A 2-2 two -two draw, that I think Yulong would definitely take that. But I think the form Southern are in, I don't think they would. I think both teams are definitely going to score. If I was putting a bet on it, would be both teams to score. I'm going to back Southern. Okay, fair enough. Anyway, this is complete <laughs> ramblings of us. So the game after that, slightly less exciting, is South China versus RNF. RNF just come off one of their few wins of the season. In fact, one of only three wins for the season. South China, as we discussed, had a bit of a low ebb off the back of that result against Pegasus. Strange though, right? Because South China is going back to Mongkok Stadium. Yeah, having returned to the Chen Kuan Stadium, they're now back at Mongkok again. Uh, this game is Friday night, by the way, 8pm in Mongkok. What a great way to spend your Friday night. Do they have a chance? RNF, I think. Tommy Chuck scoring. 
South China's defence isn't uh, quitting itself very well. But there is still the fact that South China are South China and RNF are RNF. I think it would be fair to say that if South China messes this up, even with a draw, then it might have serious consequences. I don't think Antonich is going to be sacked this soon. I think you underestimate. <laughs> I think you underestimate a little bit what the South China management is capable. Another game between one of the so-called big three and the so-called small three is BC Glory Sky against Eastern. This game is on Saturday, a half two, Hammer Hill. I assume that that will be a weekend Eastern team, given that it is between a game against Guangzhou Evergrande and another game against Kawasaki Frontale in both in the Champions League. I imagine that we'll see a lot of the foreign players who can't play in the Champions League, like Giovanni De Silva, Miroslav Saric, Michel Lugo, maybe some reserves as well, when you're playing one of the worst teams in the league and you have such a big game. Yeah, I think it would be very similar to when they played against R&F in the Sapling Cup. They used a lot of the players that wouldn't be involved in the starting eleven of the ACL. And I think that that's what they have to do, seriously, because the next ACL game is then just around the corner. However, they are still involved in a title race. They're only three points ahead of Kichi. Right, so I believe you see people like Manuel Blader still on the bench that day so if anything goes wrong in the first 45 minutes that they have a plan B mm. because yeah they cannot afford to, to drop any points but yeah they, they really have to take it slowly but at the same time it, it's ridiculous to refer to people like Giovanni De Silva as though he's some kind of reserve you know he was top scorer in the league only two seasons ago he is still a great player he scored a lot this season so is Michel Lugo who got a hat-trick last time out um, Miroslav Saric as well is a great player so it's not as though they happen to bring in reserves what I would say however is that with the local players maybe people like Lee Hong Lim will be given a rest uh, Chan Kam To if he plays it right back or in the defence he'll probably be given a rest because it, like you say it's going to be a tiring day in Guangzhou either way only one player is usually not given a rest and it is Roberto Afonso let's, let's look out for that because he seems to play in every single game mm, that's true and you know that they're resting people if he <laughs> if he gets a day <laughs> off. Also playing this weekend are Taipo against HK Pegasus. Pegasus off the back of that great win against South China. This is the, the Taipo Sports Ground half two on Sunday. Will be a great game. Yeah, one of these mid-table clashes. I would say that they were evenly matched teams, but Pegasus do have big mistakes in them you know if you consider when they lost to RNF but yeah well if you had to choose a winner I know you're slightly biased and Taipo at home may be helpful especially when you're a district team with that kind of local base yeah I'm highly biased <laughs> not just slightly um, I think that Taipo will make it I'm quite confident how they played recently against Eastern against Kichi and although they haven't found the opportunities against Kichi they will if they played similarly they will get the chances and score. So I will call it for a typo win, 2-1. I agree that Typo will probably win this game. They were they were solid against Kichi. It was just, you know, one good moment really for Kichi that made the difference. And that if people like Itaparika 
and Lucas De Silva play and Wong Wai if they play again like they did against Kichi then I, I don't imagine Pegasus will struggle too much so that leaves us with one game yeah Rangers versus HKFC this is an interesting test of my theory maybe that Rangers need to differentiate themselves a bit from this bottom three not that they've lost any games to the bottom three yet but HKFC in their home game against Rangers did actually have a really good game I think it was only 1-0 with a goal in like the last 5-10 minutes so if they can do that again and try and frustrate Rangers and rely on things like set plays then they might have a chance especially you know off the back of scoring three against RNF they might feel a little bit better in terms of their going forward this is I guess at Chingy Sports Ground and it is the half five game on Saturday but I to be honest for this game very much back Rangers mm-hmm. I think they will prove again that they actually have a decent squad and the quality on the pitch if it comes to this even looking at the statistics of last game they had a lot of ball possession a lot of shots against you Long I believe against HKFC they might again prove themselves to belong to the mid-range table rather than to the bottom Okay, well, that's about it for this week. We will see you next week. As always, get in touch. Podcast at offside.hk. Let us know what you think about the football in Hong Kong and especially what you think about this Eastern game against Guangzhou Evergrande. It's going to be massive. Make sure that you watch it and we'll talk all about it next week. Until then, bye-bye. Bye-bye. Kowloon, Hong Kong. We like Hong Kong. That's a place for you.